Hello, and welcome to the recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the past week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I, and sometimes Kelly, are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org in our shop under free downloads. We know some of you love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive by the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whichever one of those categories you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here today. All right, welcome to the recap. We're doing 14th through 20th. So that means we're going to start in Exodus 25 and go through chapter 31 of Exodus, then John 4 through 10 and Proverbs 1 through 7. Let's start with Exodus. Exodus was all about the tabernacle this week and, and some offerings thrown in there too, but all of those guidelines and stipulations for building the tabernacle, just very, very specific and deliberate. Yes, very specific. I have written in my margins a couple times, like, why can't God still give us these details? Yes, so many details. <laughs> I would really was, love the, de- I get the plan sometimes. Sometimes I get like the direction to right. head, but I don't get any of the details. Yes, and spelling it out. Yeah, mm-hmm. not only is he giving him the details about exactly what he wants it to look like, but he's telling him exactly what he wants Aaron to do with it, like once it's all built. <laughs> right, right. I'm like, man, that's really, what a gift. What a gift. There was one section where it's talking about the layers of, I'm trying to find it, I didn't underline it, but the layers of the actual tabernacle tent part. And there, I think there were three different layers of different fabrics or whatever. Yeah, but you one do the talking them, because that's, those are details I really sometimes get lost in. This is not very deep and theological, but I need to find it. One of the layers was made from goat skin. And I was like, holy oh. smokes, that's a lot of goat skin. And so my first thought when I saw it, I know it's gotta be in chapter 26, I think. 26 verse 7, that's where I was looking and I just looked right over it. You're going to make curtains of goat hair for a tent over the tabernacle. Make 11 of them. And each one of those were 45 feet long and 6 feet wide. All 11 of them. So 45 by 6 times 11, that's a lot of goats. And so I'm reading through this thinking, holy cow. But then I realized they're feeding a lot of people and I'm sure they could probably multitask with the goat meat and the goat hair. Okay, but what about, and you, you got to... <laughs> My super deep thought for the day. No, well, this actually, I could, I'm a little ashamed that I read over this the first time because I'm only seeing it now. But since you brought me to chapter 26, what does yours say in verse 14? Verse 14, make a covering for the tent from ram skins dyed red and a covering of fine leather on top of that. Oh, okay. Mine says over that a covering of dolphin skins. Yeah, so there's a note next to my fine leather that says that it's obscure, that they're not okay. sure. Thank you. So dolphin skins, maybe, or maybe he was just- <laughs> Or maybe what? Yours is the Eugene Peterson. You're doing yeah. the message, right? Yes, I'm reading the message. So Which I'm not is going to be- too close into that. Go ahead. So there was something else we read later. I think it was in Proverbs that totally made me think of Eugene Peterson, but we can get to that later. Yeah. So I would say that in Exodus 30, when I, one of the things that I did highlight and I was like, man, this is so beautiful because I've been thinking a lot about God referring to himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob mm-hmm. after that he personal, says, yeah, when Abra- Moses says, who do I say sent me? And he's going into this 
land of gods. And he says, I want you to tell them that I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of people and their relationship. And then he says in verse 46, the way that it's written in the message version chapter of chapter 29, it says, I'll make the tent of meeting and the altar holy. I'll make Aaron and his sons holy in order to serve me as priests. I'll move in and live with the Israelites. I'll be their God. They'll realize that I am their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt so that I could live with them. I am God, your God. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I love my that. heart is like melting right now as I'm just, just reading that out loud again is so, so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then another thing that I highlighted that I liked along those same lines, it's just, mm-hmm. I can't get it out of my head is where, Back in chapter 28, he says, Aaron will regularly carry the names of the sons of Israel on the breastpiece of judgment over his heart as he enters the sanctuary into the presence of God for remembrance. And I think about how God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob is Israel. And that what goes into the tent with him is the symbol of Israel's sons. Mm -hmm. So all of the tribes of Benjamin. So when he goes into the temple, like he's not just the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob anymore. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all of their sons and all of their sons' sons. And, and that we're grafted into that tree Mm -hmm. um, through Jesus. We can't miss that. Yeah. That's all I have from Exodus. So in Exodus chapter 30, there's a section where they're talking about the atonement money. And I actually, this note in here is from the last time I read it, but I didn't remember reading it. When I think about the Israelites and how they atoned for their sins, it's all sacrifice, right? I always think of it that way. Um, But in this, in 30, starting in verse um, 11, he's talking about atonement money and how they were going to take a census of the Israelites and they had each of them men must pay a ransom for his life to the Lord as they're registered. So they list how much that money, how much that ransom is. Even when we think about the blood, the sacrifices and stuff, it always makes me think of being bought with a price, you know, that mm-hmm. we, and that, that, that blood price is what the Israelites had to, had to pay. But thinking about this too, like that they actually had to pay money mm-hmm. for this, a ransom for his life to the Lord is what it says. And then thinking through the gospel and how we are bought with a price as his children. And yet it wasn't our price. It was his price. Like just one more this. So this atonement money section just sticks out as one more reminder to me that that's a price we don't have to pay anymore because it's already been paid for us. Yeah. And even thinking through that as you're reading through John, like, because that whole story of John is Jesus trying to explain, well, all of the gospels trying to explain to his people that he's here to pay that price for them so they don't yes. keep doing it anymore just that there's no more for the poor and no less um, well there is the in chapter 30 you mean in they have 31. a different amount i was going to say something else in 31 in chapter 30 they have a different amount that they have to pay the wealth oh wait no you're right i totally read it wrong everyone must pay half a shekel the wealthy may not give more and the poor may not give less than half a shekel yeah you're right it's the same for everyone and how we sometimes think we're, we're worth more or we're worth less or our sins are worth mm-hmm. more or our sins cost yes. more or our sins cost less. Yep. Doesn't matter. We are all the same. Yes. Everyone same. is equal at the cross. You said you didn't read 31. 
Yeah. But there is at the beginning of 31. So God has given this whole list of what to do to Moses. And then he starts listing, okay, these are specific people who I want to do the work. And it says, I have put wisdom in the heart of every skilled artisan in order to make all that I've commanded you. And I just, it was just another, I think we talked about this a little bit last week about how God has put that creative desire in each of us. Like God is creator. He created us. And one of the ways that we reflect our creator is by creating, you know, like that. And so that's what it made me think of. God listed all of this work to be done and then gave these artisans the ability and the desire to make something beautiful. How? That was in the way that he commanded them with their hands. No, but how did he give it? How did he give them the ability? He put wisdom in their hearts. Oh, see, yeah. But mine says I filled him with the spirit of God, giving him the skill and know-how and expertise. Does yours say the wisdom? Yeah, it says I've put wisdom in the heart of every skilled artisan. So that immediately triggered a thought to Proverbs because of course, Proverbs is all about like that wisdom. But yeah, that's a, that's a cool. I have put the spirit of God, giving him skill and know-how and expertise in these specific skills and these specific talents and that the Holy Spirit is even allows us to use our, use our crafting giftedness. And we talked, this actually triggers some thoughts of Matthew, our dive Matthew study. We talked about how sometimes we think that to preach the word or to teach the word or to be a missionary is this like high calling higher Mm -hmm. than anything else. And that the spirit of God enabled them to use their crafting Mm -hmm. skills to serve the kingdom. Right. That is what the dive, this is what dive collective is all about. This is, this is where we're heading. And in a time like this, and we haven't even acknowledged yet the coronavirus, right. I don't think in recording, but at a time like this, the world goes dark mm-hmm. and the people that are filled with the spirit of God is every believer across every nation. He has filled us with his spirit and he's put us all over the world and he's equipped us to some of us be generous with our money, to, mm-hmm. for some of us to be able to make things, for some of us to be able to grow things in our garden, like all of right. these skills now now is the time where we find out like what the spirit of God has equipped us yeah. to do so that we can fulfill every need. Like every yes. need can be met. And then in, fu- in fulfilling those needs, we're reflecting his glory. Like that's what yes. we're doing. We yeah. are. Yes. We are the, we are building the hands and feet of Jesus is what it yes. is. We have lots of opportunities. It made me think of, I've been thinking all week about how <laughs> my new world, my new American world is just reverting back to Gitmo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, I left my tiny little corner of an island and now I'm in America, which is becoming that in so many ways. But I mean, like empty grocery shelves and my kids are never in school anymore. Just like, anyway, I could list a lot of ways. But one of the ways I was thinking is in Gitmo, everyone had time to do things like Gitmo and you figure out what you're good at and you do it. And so- And you offer it to the community. And you, right, you do it and you offer it to the world. And so it made me wonder, I wonder how many- people are going to discover something that they just something they love. And then maybe they're not good at it yet, but have time to grow in it. And yeah, just opportunities to. And it's not like you even offer it. It's not like we even offered it for free. It's not like we gave away our gifts down there. It was like, we offered it. I discovered that I even had gifts and abilities that were Mm. of value. Like I had Mm -hmm. no idea that to be able to teach piano lessons, would be something that was needed. And I, yeah. and I didn't think I was equipped to do it until I realized, you know what, 
like there are people who genuinely want this Mm -hmm. and feel like they need this for their kids. And I do have the ability, I mean, I've never tried it before, but I do know how to play the piano and mm-hmm. that, you know, now I'm teaching piano lessons because there was this need and I didn't realize that I even had that to fill it. And yeah. I think that's the case for a lot of people who knew that your baking bread skills were going to be so appreciated. <laughs> I have a grandson. Oh my gosh. A, a bread grandson. <laughs> I just like gave her this blank stare. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. You <laughs> I know that's ex- weird. It's weird. Explain that for the people in the back. <laughs> my sourdough starter has birthed another sourdough starter that is still alive and kicking in Gitmo. <laughs> and it makes me so, so proud. Okay. We didn't think we had anything in it. I know. Turns out we had a lot. I'm tempted to jump to John next and then come back okay. to Proverbs. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. I'm going to jump in because you said something, I think in the last one that I was going to take out and I'm glad I haven't edited that episode yet. You said, how could he see the face of God? How could they have dined with God, like in his presence? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not, yeah, but God actually says in Exodus, nobody can see my face and live when he says that his glory is going to pass when he puts him in the cleft of the rock. Right. And you were Mm -hmm. like, and we were like, well, it must've been Jesus because that's how people, Mm -hmm. do you know what I'm about to talk about? I think so. Go ahead. Did you read it in John, John chapter five? So I'm actually going to read the end of the chapter, but Jesus is saying, he says, you have your heads in your Bibles constantly because you think you'll find eternal life there, but you miss the forest for the trees. These scriptures are all about me. And here I am standing right before you. And you aren't willing to receive from me the life you say you want. Skip down a paragraph. But don't think I'm going to accuse you before my father. Moses, in whom you put so much stock as your accuser, if you believed, really believed what Moses said, you would believe me. He wrote of me. If you won't take seriously what he wrote, how can I expect you to take seriously what I speak? That's so interesting because I have that totally underlined and I have it underlined in the context of that road to Emmaus in Luke and how, you know, the Jesus storybook Bible, every story whispers his name. So that's yes. what I'm thinking when I'm reading it. Yes. I didn't connect it back to. Yeah. But it just totally makes me think possibly in the presence of Jesus. If like, yeah. if he was really eating with them, like Moses was really writing down words from Jesus. Yeah. Perhaps. Anyway, that was just a connection that I made. And again, we're still like, this is a wondering. I can't. Yes. I was not there, but it seems to be, Jesus is saying, Moses was writing of me. He wrote of me. If you won't take seriously what he wrote, how can I expect you to take seriously what I speak? And then because again, also it says, the Jews are arguing with them because they're like, our father is Abraham. And Jesus is like, I knew Abraham before you knew Abraham. Mm -hmm. And they said, the Jews said, you're not even 50 years old and Abraham saw you. (laughs) Believe me, said Jesus, I am who I am long before Abraham was anything. Mm Mm-hmm. Just along those same lines that Jesus yeah. was around long before any of these people were around. Right. Well, even just through this whole section of John, there's so much of Jesus saying, if you believe the father, you have to believe me because the father mm-hmm. sent me like that whole concept mm-hmm. of I and the father are one. Like we, yeah. this is, this is not, you can't separate the two of us. Yeah. And it ha- it comes up over and over again. And he, as he's talking with the Pharisees, especially in this section. So that's why I just, I wanted to start there because that made me, yeah. that's the connection between Exodus and John for me. One of the sections that I love in this is the beginning of eight, the section that isn't always 
it wasn't in some of the earlier manuscripts and so I don't know if they have a note in yours but when the women when the scribes and the Pharisees bring that woman who was caught in adultery and mm. they are basically tattling on her to Jesus and Jesus says whoever's without sin among you gets to throw the first stone mm-hmm. and it reminds me of that it was Luke 7 where what's her face washes Jesus's feet with her hair mm-hmm. or with her, she anoints his feet with perfume that's, that's who... the hair that's the hair and the tears one in that in Luke 7 it says that her many sins have been forgiven and that's why she loved much and so that makes me think of this woman just the concept of and not just for these two women but any of us like we talked about how we're all equal at the cross like we are all on the same level playing field and how mm-hmm. repentance involves recognizing how much we have to repent for, you know? And so Mm -hmm. when we, when we recognize that who we are before Jesus, like who we are without Jesus, it just produces so much love in us. Like that's the effect that it should have. And so I think about this woman standing there and Jesus isn't, it says he's writing in the dirt with his hand and everyone was always talking about what he was writing. But I just think he's just like, not waiting. paying attention, just waiting. Yeah. And yeah. she's just standing there. And then Jesus looks up. Of course, he already knows that all of the men have left. Mm-hmm. And he looks up and says, Has no one Oh, well, where are they? Yeah. Didn't anyone mm-hmm. condemn you? And she's probably completely flabbergasted. You know, she's probably standing there and so humiliated. You know what I mean? I, I just can't imagine what that must have felt like to be dragged by all of those religious men. Mm-hmm. to be stood in front of someone and have just to be completely exposed. Yeah. To have your, have your sin so completely exposed in a crowd like that. And then to have this one say, okay, I don't condemn you either. And like how, there's just so much grace. Yeah. But the, and the significance of that has never stood out to me as much as it did this time to the idea that the significance of Jesus saying, neither do I, mm-hmm. that because he is, he's the one that can, he's the right. only one that can throw the stone and he's yep. saying, neither do I. Yeah. 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 I love, I love that story. And just that Jesus isn't surprised. He's just so, the word that comes to my mind is nonchalant. And I don't know if that's the best word, but he's just so like, okay. I already knew this about you. Like I already see everything. I know you're worse. You didn't have, they didn't have to drag you in front of me for me to know. And I'm not going to condemn you. This is why I came. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't come to condemn sinners, but to save them. And so just that he's just so full of grace. I've always found John hard to, it's John to be one of the hardest gospels to read. And now that I'm reading it and I don't maybe, I don't know if it's because I've been because we did Matthew all together. And mm-hmm. I don't know how much of Matthew informs my reading of John now mm-hmm. and whether that makes it any different, but now it's like my favorite. Yeah. Becoming the my last time. So this is my second time through John. And that time when I read John, I, yes, that's how I felt. I was like, I'm reading this. Like I've never read it before. And I think mm-hmm. you're right. I think it was, and I'd already gone through all the other gospels too. Mm-hmm. And then digging into Matthew. Yeah. I've, I've really enjoyed John. Yeah. So the only the last thing that I would say, because it's kind of fresh on my mind, is that in chapter nine, what I found really interesting is that 
It's actually a really long story about the guy that he mm -hmm. um, heals his, it's a much longer story than I thought. There's a lot yeah. of details included in it. And so anyway, he makes dust. There, there's a blind man that Jesus heals his blindness and he has been blind since birth and he covers up his eyes with clay and then tells him to go and wash. He goes and he washes and then everybody's like, whoa, this guy can see. And so this guy has gone from like not being able to see He's experienced Jesus's touch, or, but Jesus hasn't healed him. Then he goes and he washes and then like everybody sees this guy and this guy has to like say what happened, but he, he can't describe the guy at all. And what I find interesting is that at the end, he says in verse 35, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out because they, the guy basically, they interrogate him and try to find out who it was that did this because they're trying to accuse Jesus and they're trying to find him and they've interrogated him. They've interrogated his parents. And it even says that the parents were afraid. They were intimidated by the Jewish leaders who had already decided mm -hmm. that anyone who took a stand, that this was the Messiah would get kicked out of the meeting place. And that's why his parents said, ask him, he's a grown man. So they've been interrogating him and they interrogate him again. And then the, they throw him out. And then I love this. They throw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out and went and found him you know he goes yeah. looking for him and he's he searches him out and then he asks him do you believe in the son of man the man said point him out to me sir so i can believe in him jesus said you're looking right at him don't you recognize my voice I, that's a significant moment because he's like i was talking to you when i covered up your eyes and i sent mm -hmm. you you wouldn't recognize me but do you recognize like do you hear my voice like mm -hmm. that it's almost like it, he he intentionally didn't reveal who he was to him through his sight before the whole thing happened. And then afterwards he came back and was like, do you recognize my voice? And of course the guy's response is, master, I believe mm -hmm. the man said and worshiped him because he did recognize, I'm sure he did recognize mm -hmm. his voice at that point. Do you believe in the son of man? Yeah. Point I like, that's a me. cool translation because mine does not translate it that way. Oh, what mine does yours say? It just says, you've seen him when he asks who is he who is he sir that i might believe in him jesus answered you have seen him in fact he's the one speaking with you so jesus is basically just identifying himself there but uh, i mean it makes sense so do you know what that makes me think of when i yeah. hear you actually what's funny is that i share that whole thing i'm like i don't know why this is significant but it totally struck me as really significant so you tell me why well it just <laughs> it i just feel like it ties them things together I have always heard this story as one where, so Jesus does different miracles that demonstrate his power in different ways. Mm -hmm. And this is one that demonstrates his power as a creator, because that whole, the fact that this man was born blind is significant mm -hmm. in the sense that he did not have, like when Jesus heals people from diseases or whatever, he's healing the body. But in this sense, this guy, his eyes didn't work. They never formed properly in the first place. Yes. So this one is always, this is one that shows that Jesus has the power to actually create. So Jesus had to actually create eyes what was missing worked. in his eyes. Right. Mm -hmm. It reminds me, this is the of Jesus. the dirt. Well, that I did. I was thinking about the dirt that we're made from dust. And then that's what Jesus put on his eyes to, to create, make them. So that's Stop kind of right a cool, now. yeah, that's kind of a cool connection. But the Jesus storybook Bible 
is always running through my head when I read the actual Bible. And there's this, the story when Jesus calms the waves, when he's in the boat with his disciples. And it says that when Jesus calmed the wind and the waves, they listened to his voice because they'd heard it before mm. way back in the beginning when he oh. created the wind and the waves. So God. that's just those like little, I love like, that Bible. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I love it too. Yeah. Um, but just those connections between like Jesus recognizing Jesus's voice and there's nothing super his deep. I don't think any of that, but yeah, it's been around since the beginning mm-hmm. of time. And like creation recognizes it and we recognize it. Mm-hmm. Connecting to Job and I, walking we down the street. We haven't even hit Proverbs yet. At the very, yeah, I know. At the very beginning of nine, walking yeah. down the street, Jesus saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked Rabbi, who sinned, this mm-hmm. man or his parents, causing him to be born blind? Jesus said, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There's no such cause effect here. Look instead of what God can do. Job. Yes. Well, right. This entire point of Job. Right. This came up so that God's works might be displayed in him. Like this man was created blind for this very purpose. Well, not, yes, but not only that, but like, it's not, we look, we often look at somebody's sin and we think what caused it, which is exactly what all of Job Job, is about is trying to explain away Mm -hmm. why such bad things happen. And Jesus is saying, it's not a cause effect relationship. It's mm-hmm. all, it's all so that we can remember who, remember who I, I am, am and yeah. what I've done. Yeah. All right. Let's go to Proverbs. One through seven. Oh man. This whole Proverbs in the I message. Know. Oh, uh, I bet. Yes. I think next year is good. My, the message is going to be my Bible next year, I think. Okay. So from the get go, from the get go, like we, so Proverbs one is what I was reading as, um, all Hades was breaking loose mm-hmm. around here and there was no toilet paper and there was no, and people were just grabbing up everything. And the reactions of these people in my Facebook groups were just angry and irate. Like even like the ones that were trying to be helpful, couldn't say it without a spiteful word to the yeah. rest of humanity who had grabbed everything else. There was just no, there was a lot of selfishness and no graciousness and kindness as it started happening. It's really hard not to look around when you're at the store and go, what am I forgetting? What do I have to grab? Because everybody's grabbing everything and not like get sucked into it. And so I kept praying this prayer, Lord, let what I have be enough and more to share. I kept saying that every time I was pulling into a parking lot and there was lines to get into a spot, it was insanity. It was insanity. And I haven't been out since, so I have no idea Yeah. except what I'm seeing on Facebook, whether there's even anything left on the shelves, but that's what I kept praying. And So when I read through Proverbs 1, the first thing that it says is, it says the main thing, which is like the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. And and we've talked about it in one of the recent episodes, eyes on me, eyes on me, eyes on me, eyes on Mm -hmm. me, eyes on me. If your eyes are on me, that's where all of wisdom starts. You'll get Mm -hmm. everything that you need to know. At the end of verse 19, I think it says, when you grab all you can get, that's what happens. The more you get, the less you are. And it's basically talking about people who are just getting their hands on everything, stealing. It's the worst of humanity that actually we're kind of even seeing now. And I'm mm-hmm. keep saying over and over again to different people, like I'm so ashamed at how naive I am about like the evil that is in the human heart. Like I just didn't want to believe that some of this stuff was happening, but not very long later, it says at the very end, it, that whole passage kind of is really talking about the foolishness of people who refuse to take his counsel 
And at the end, it says, um, carelessness kills, complacency is murder. First, pay attention to me and then relax. Now you can take it easy. You're in good hands. I don't know, but for me that day, that was just such like a reassuring way to end that chapter. It was, yes, that's what I'm doing. I'm just trying to focus on you, Lord. And then I'm just going to relax that I'm in good hands and that I know him. I knew, I know the fishes in love story. I've read it a hundred times and probably 20 in the last year. Like I know that I know that I can go out to my garage and there can be toilet paper for the next year out of what I've already purchased. I mean, I'm not even kidding. I've seen, ex mm -hmm. I've experienced that in other ways too, even in my own life where it's like, there's no way I should have more flour, but I still do, you know, those mm -hmm. things that like, I'm afraid are going to run out. I know that if I need them, they won't, or somebody will have it. It'll be provided. Yeah, he will provide, provide it. Another way. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think actually of Corey Ten Boom's like, when they had those vitamins that they were taking and that jar kept like, it just kept giving out more vitamins the entire yeah. time that everybody needed it until they didn't need it anymore. And then they had their last drop. Done. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that was Proverbs one for me. So I didn't want to miss that because it's so yeah. applicable to what we're going through today. I just liked to how at the very beginning of one, he lays it out. This is the whole purpose of writing the concept that Proverbs is not a promise. Proverbs mm. is a is direction right it's direction it's it's principles you know what i mean mm -hmm. like all of the if thens and proverbs are not promises they are yes. principles to live by because even like even this makes me think of job 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 from what we know of job did all of the if thens and proverbs you know yes. he lived mm -hmm. in a very wise way but it wasn't like his life was peachy the whole time so yes so all this stuff that's in proverbs that's laid out they're not promises they're principles for life so um, good. and there's so much too that when proverbs tells us like if you do this then it will go well with you that doesn't necessarily mean physical comfort or yes. physical success it's it's much more it will go well with you can definitely, I think, mean just the peace of God that passes yes. understanding in kind of crazy times. Yes. So, and I think he kind of lays that out at the very beginning when he's saying, this is what it's for. It's for learning wisdom and for understanding insightful sayings. It's for receiving prudent instruction in righteousness, justice, and integrity. So it's almost like, he's like, I'm telling you this and I'm going to help teach you how in the future to learn wisdom and to receive instruction. This is... All of this is just, it's like to make it, make it easier for us to learn. Like if we can learn from this wisdom, then we'll be able to learn in other situations too, when maybe someone corrects us or I just like how he lays it out. And then after he says that, he says that, where does it all start? At the, in verse seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Mm -hmm. So all of this stuff that he's going to tell us, all these principles it all comes back to the fear of the Lord. That's where, yes. that's where it starts. My version says, start with God. The first step in learning is bowing down to God. Mm. I like that. Just that, yeah. like a heart of worship. Yep. Worship God. This is how we have assurance. Like this is how you and I as, as believers live through a time like this mm -hmm. with assurance that yes, I might lose my husband. Yes, I'm, my husband is going in and out all the time. Yes, I might lose my children. Yes, I might lose my house. Like whatever, the, like there's such as uncertain times that would scare anybody, except that if you know that you're in good hands, like mm -hmm. I know that I'm in good hands. So even mm -hmm. if 
and that this is not the end. Even if, yes, yes. If I lose my husband, he goes to be with the king. Like I have no doubts because of all the ways that he's proven himself to be true. I have no doubts that eternity is what he says it is. And that my Mm -hmm. husband will be, I say my husband, I'm just thinking like the worst thing that I could possibly have happen. Like the worst thing that could possibly happen in my life is that I lose my husband. Is Jeff feeling okay? (laughs) He is feeling fine. (laughs) Um, But yes, that whole like fear of God, Mm -hmm. that's the beginning of wisdom, Mm -hmm. not fear of, you don't make good decisions when you're afraid of losing your husband. Mm -hmm. You don't make good decisions when you're afraid of losing your house. You don't make any good decisions when you're thinking about anything except a fear or a respect for a God who has you in good hands. Mm -hmm. You're in good hands. The other thing that stuck out to me in Proverbs, I think this is the only other thing that I really remember from this week's reading at the end of chapter four, um, he's talking about like staying on the straight path. And it says, starting in verse 25, let your eyes look forward, fix your gaze straight ahead, carefully consider the path for your feet and all of your ways will be established. Don't turn to the right or to the left, keep your feet away from evil. And it made me think of, it's actually a book that Eugene Peterson wrote, but it's also just kind of I mean, he wrote the book, but he talks, this is what he talks about, a long obedience obedience in the same direction and how like our sanct, that's our sanctification. Our sanctification is like you were saying, eyes on him, eyes on him, eyes on him, like Mm -hmm. fixing your gaze. It says, let your eyes look forward, fix your gaze straight ahead. And our gaze that straight ahead for our gaze is Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. Consider the path for your feet. All your ways will be established. It's interesting to me whenever I guess it shouldn't be because it's scripture and all of scripture is pointing to the gospel, but I like it when I can make specific ties to the gospel from, especially like Proverbs, you know? Yes. And so that's what it, it makes me think of that long obedience in the same direction. That's what our sanctification is. We are just walking. It's a long path. It doesn't say that it's going to be easy, Mm -hmm. but it does say that our feet will be kept from evil. And I think the reason is because he walks along beside us as we're walking Mm -hmm. down that wisdom path. Hannah asked me recently, she's like, do you have to like keep repenting your whole life? (laughs) And I was trying to describe to her that I'm, um, I was trying to explain to her that there's like this one moment of repentance where we just, we just grasp how far we fall from being worthy of God's love. Like there's that one moment of salvation repentance, mm-hmm. you know, where you just, you just get your sin and how much of a sinner you are and that you need a savior. And then you recognize, Oh, that's why Jesus, that's why we needed Jesus because this is just, this is who I am apart from him. And I need, I needed him to do what he did so that I can be okay. So that I can be I can have a relationship with God. So anyway, trying to explain that, like, there's this, like that one moment of repentance and you said sanctification, which is what made me think of it is that like, I was trying to explain to her that like the repentance that we do from then on is a sanctification process. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's the becoming more like him, mm-hmm. not becoming more saved, not becoming right. more. And it's becoming more like him because in becoming more like him, that is the long obedience, like the long obedience choosing to look at Proverbs and go, wow, I'm not, I didn't do that right. And going, you know what, Lord, like, I'm sorry, I missed it on there and I need your forgiveness. And in that he makes us that much more like him. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing comes and you're like, oh, wow, I really missed the boat. Like the whole law is to point us, to show us the way to live because in living like that and living in the fear of the Lord, that is what 
brings freedom. You know, mm-hmm. the more we live like that, the more free we are. And that only happens through repentance mm-hmm. and having God and the Holy Spirit work in our lives to change us, to become more like him. So anyway. Yeah. Which um, it's funny that you just brought up freedom because they talk, that was one of the things I had underlined in John was that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Chapter eight, 32. If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Okay. That is this week's episode of the recap. We'll see you next week where we keep going through Exodus, John, and Proverbs. If you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth dive studies where we model our process of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org under the studies tab. And we will see you next week.